Welcome to a special edition of the Bumblecast. I'm your host, Ian Flynn, the Bumble King, and joining me as always is my Bumble co-host, Kyle, JCRB Krause. Oh, what's up, people? It's uh, Friday, probably. I'm not Hopefully. sure yet. We're going we're gonna to find <laughs> out. Maybe it's Friday, maybe it's not. You don't know. What we do know for sure is that we have a sponsored episode today, this time coming from our patron and good friend, Pedanticat. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Now, we had something planned last month, and you know what they say, man plans, God laughs. So we're back again, and this time, Pedanti, what do you have for us? Well, Ian, I basically just have a mountain full of questions I want to ask because every time I send one question, I think of like 10 more. So I figure, hey, this is a good way to like cut through the list while also not clogging back, clogging like the list of questions. Questions for me? How drool. <laughs> then yes, let's get to it. Okay, so starting off, so Ian, as the Wolves Gallery and IDW Sonic continues to grow, do you have ideas for different types of villains we haven't gotten yet in this continuity? So villains isn't a bad person, but they have no choice but to be a villain. Villains who have good intentions, but the way they're going about it is all wrong. Or villains who are just plain psychotic like Flying Frog. And in <laughs> And any chance of getting villains that aren't just blank the animal? Um, maybe kinda. The thing with the egg bosses was we were trying to very rapidly rebuild a massive world uh, after the reboot. And it was very compartmentalized. Each region had a freedom fighter team. Each region had an egg boss. The idea being that you could send Sonic anywhere in the world and he had a supporting cast and antagonist set up for him. With IDW, we are not doing that approach. It's a little more focused and a little more streamlined. So right now, we have Eggman, we have Rough and Tumble, we have um, Clutch. Starline. We have Starline, we have Mimic. We have a pretty decently sized rogues gallery. Oh, Surgeon Kit. There's certainly other ideas for characters or antagonists to fill certain niches, but I think at the moment we're pretty stocked up on villains. We don't want to bloat the cast, and it's already pretty big. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, like, I guess, like, does that mean you also have because, like, I find it actually interesting. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but. All your time riding on Sonic, like Regina, the Iron Queen, correct? I didn't even create that. That was uh, revitalizing something that was already there. Oh, wow. Huh. Well, I didn't know that, but uh, would you say, like, do you think Eggman should be the only human villain? Or do you think the series could benefit from, a more, for, from more human villains? Um... I think there needs to be a little more variety in terms of top tier villains. We've seen Eggman for 30 years now. We know his gimmick and he works. He's great, but it wouldn't hurt to diversify a little bit. The problem with human characters are, I don't know, to me, they're kind of inherently boring compared to your Mobian characters. So if you're going to have a new human villain, number one, we've got to figure out what the status is with humans on Sonic's world and all that. And two, they need a gimmick that is impressive and endearing 
enough that it doesn't eclipse Eggman, but it also doesn't run like redundant to Eggman, but also fits with Sonic's themes. And it, it, it'd be tricky. It'd be a tricky hill to climb. It makes sense. It makes sense. I do know I did like the Iron Queen whole stick of being a technopath because like that actually works perfectly in the world of Sonic. Yeah, she was fun. Um, but there's kind of a weird status of magic within the official Sonic material. So uh, I don't know if we can tread that ground again. I don't know if we could even directly reference that because of the comic stuff. Mm-hmm. And Sandra. Okay, so next question. So, did the Freedom Fighters post reboot with a full on superhero team akin to the Avengers and Justice League? It actually got me thinking. Do you think Nicole or Sally would pull a Batman in which they have a set of contingency plans to incapitate their friends if any of them were to ever turn villainous or be mind controlled? And how do you think they would all react to such a thing? Um, I mean, given what happened in Mecha Madness and how many times there has been some degree of forced control, I think Sally would take it as a pragmatic idea to at least like workshop some ideas, not in that she would ever distrust her friends, but that she would think of it as a necessary precaution to rescue them and protect those who weren't in trouble um there is potential drama there for you know the plan to be exposed without the context and oh how could you think of this but even still i think the team had enough trust within each other that their friendship was strong enough that there might be some hurt feelings but there would be a moment like everybody would say yo sal this is kind of sketch and she would go i'm sorry i'm sorry but this is why and they would go, oh, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, all right. I, I can see why. But, you know, you could talk to us about it. You don't have to do this all by yourself. And she's like, yeah, but if I'm telling you, if I'm workshopping my plans to stop you, you're going to know what those plans are if I have to stop you. Like, Well, yeah, I guess there's that. too. That's awkward. This is awful. Yeah, it is. Eggman's really awful. Yeah, he is. Let's go take him out. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> that, that makes sense with their character, though. This does raise a nut, like, exactly how do you imagine, like, what kind of contingency plan would she make for some of her friends, especially, like, powerhouses like Sonic and Bunny? Um, Bunny, I imagine, would be just about in the same camp as any something to disable the robotics, even if they, like, just go offline. I imagine that's a degree of dead weight that she would have to carry, um... For Sonic's case, that's the nightmare scenario because you can't stop Sonic. We, we've established this. There was an early, early issue where he takes out the Freedom Fighters by himself. Just And that's not even mind control. That was just a case of amnesia. And uh, that's even before Mecha Sonic. So, I don't know. It would be kind of fun to see how she would think of this. And shoot. She might even have to put it into play if, like, Scourge did something. It's like, well, I've had my contingency plan for Sonic. So now we can apply it to Scourge. But now I can take the safeties off because he's a jerk. (laughs) Yeah, that's how we're going. Okay, so I can't help but manage it. But do you think 
Sali contingency plan for Antoine would be to just draw a painted tunnel on the wall for him to run into. <laughs> no, she gets halfway through preparing a crepe and she's like, one more move and I'm using margarine. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, no, do not use the margarine. I will be surrendering. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's a okay. <clears throat> okay, so now one thing I have noticed in recent years, like the whale hog have become really popular. So it got me wondering, how would you have felt if Sonic never lost the ability to turn into a whale hog? And if the whale hog transformation was kept, how do you think elements in IDW Sonic would play out differently as a result of that? For instance, during the Zombat Apocalypse, when Sonic transformed, would he still be infected, or would he have to work twice as hard to fight off the infection? Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, Sonic's characterization didn't change that much with Werehog form, so it's not like his personality or outlook would necessarily be different. Uh, you'd have to take the whole, you know, day into account just to make it meaningful. You would have to have more night to justify, you know, the werehog still being around, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, vary up the environments a little bit. For Metal Virus, the whole thing is that Sonic's speed, which inexplicably has crazy properties to it, is able to burn off the metal virus, but the werehog does not have that speed, not even remotely. So, man, that'd be an extra ticking clock. Like, the werehog himself, it seems like all of his speed is kind of transferred into that wild brawler energy. So maybe he could potentially, like, flail it into semi-submission, but he's got to keep it in check until the sun rises and he can start running again, but he wouldn't be able to fight like he was before. Cause you know, before he could fight, run off, heal up, come back. Werehog, all that power, all that strength, all that stretchy armed goodness would be absolutely useless. Cause all it would do was accelerate the infection. So he would be completely at odds with things in the evening, man. It's hard. <laughs> He had a hard enough time as it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, though. You know, like, you bring up the aggressive also led me to another point. Like, considering how Soulja is like a clone slash counter to Sonic and with how aggressive she is, just how nightmarish would it be if she had a whale form? You'd basically just have some horrible Raiju werehog monster nightmare thing. Yeah, that shoot electricity. Yeah, that sounds pretty rad. <laughs> and also, like the last part of this question, do you think Tangle would end up dubbing herself and Sonic as stretchy buddies? Oh, absolutely. She would. She would want to see who could, whose limb could stretch further, who was more limber. Not out of competition, just out of like fun. Yeah, that makes sense for Tangle. She sees Sonic turn into a monstrous beast. That's awesome. I mean, she already can do jump rope with her tail. With Werehog, she could do like double dutch. No, double dutch. Triple dutch. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so this is a 
question that has been on my mind for a long time, though. So who would win in a fight between Gemwall and Metal Sonic? Because we've actually seen the two fight twice across two separate continuities, but neither was a proper one-on-one, with the first time being Metal Sonic having backup, and the second time it was less of a fight and more so Metal taking a cheap shot at him. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think Metal Sonic's got it in the bag. I think Gemeral could put up a decent fight. Yeah. It wouldn't be, you know, one-sided, but Sonic Advance 3 is entirely about Sonic and company taking down Gemeral as he got increasingly powerful. And Metal Sonic is on par with Sonic, if not superior in a lot of ways. So the proof is in the pudding. I'm I'm sorry, General. I love you, buddy, but you're kind of built to be a jobber. Then you know that kind of like double depressing since like in a way he's kind of like a spiritual successor to Shards, so or a rematch would be a successor to that fight. And even like in another continuity, it would still end the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to compete with Metal Sonic, you know? There's a reason why he's so dang popular. <laughs> Which is real, like, you think not as popular as he is, he'd appear more in the games. Well, it's more special when he doesn't appear all the time. I mean, yeah, but, like, if he's, like, like, the idea behind Metal Sonic is that he's Eggman's greatest creation made to rival Sonic, so... I don't know, you think you would he would utilize his greatest weapon more often. Yeah, it's weird, but you know, it's this kind of <laughs> gameplay versus story sort of thing again, so. Choo, choo, choo. Okay, so Ian, one of the many rules that ended up being put into place for the rebooted universe of Archie Sonic was that Sega characters weren't allowed to be in romantic relationships anymore. How did you react to that mandate when you were informed about it? And if that rule wasn't put into place, would you have had Sonic and Sally be together already in the rebooted universe? I know romance in Archie Sonic doesn't have the best history, but I enjoyed how you wrote it, and there is something tragic about Sonic and Sally not being together in the reboot universe, given how you had them finally get back together, only to be split apart with Sally's heroic sacrifice. I, there were ways we could dance around it. The intention, and this is kind of Lost Hedgehog Tales territory, but eh, screw it. Um, the thinking was that we were using the classic styles of the characters to show them as their younger selves. And if we had had more time there, the idea is we would show Sonic and Sally having a bit of a thing at the time. And then they just grew apart. So the idea being that we still acknowledge it and it still kind of happened, but they were no longer beholden to it. Like Sally wasn't locked into this one thing forever and ever. Because, as we I've said on the show before many times in the past, it isn't fair to her character that her relationship can't go anywhere because she's locked in with a character that can't advance, you know? So, the I, we were trying to cover all our bases. So, they, they were together briefly in the past, and that didn't work out. And then Sally was free to grow and explore in different directions, and Sonic remained, you know, the mascot. 
Okay, I understand. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Still, though, it does kind of feel very bittersweet, you know? Sure, especially if you're, you know, hardcore into that particular ship. You may not be satisfied with they were a thing at one point, but... It, again, I, some folks would be appreciate at least the lip service, and some would want all or nothing. So you you can't please all the people all the time. Yeah, that's fair though. You know, interesting enough, I did notice like how in the post reboot, you really I mean, I'm not complaining. I love the ship, but I noticed that you had like a lot of so nanny moments, and like you, I, I really like how you wrote it, in which like it was very mutual. It didn't really feel one sided. Like was the whole like Sonic and Sally not being able to be in a relationship kind of influenced you into you know leaning a bit more into so namey? Uh see it's been so long that I feel like that's where the climate in the games was kind of going at the time. But you know we wouldn't have been able to commit to it anyway. So since it was still a prominent uh element between the two of them I wanted it to at least be a healthy relationship. So even if we couldn't like commit fully to the idea, what little seed of a notion was there still needed to be nurtured in a positive way. Makes it makes it like I really do like how Sonic would actually tease Amy multiple times. It wasn't just like, you know, Amy pining after Sonic. Like there was an argument ship anyone could make that, okay, Sonic does seem a little bit interested in Amy. So like those moments always put a smile on my face. Cause that was that was like unleashed black knight type of era, wasn't it? I mean, I know the post-reboot was, like, it was adapting the Unleashed storyline. Because yeah, I know there's a couple of, like, you can, you can you can have Sonic go on a date, or accept the idea of a date with Amy in Unleashed. And in Black Knight, she's mad that he's late for the date, which means he was committed to the idea. So, yeah, I think that's where I was, that's where my head was at at the time, is that they seemed to be at least going closer to a commitment there. And then the pendulum swung the other way, and here we are. And then colors happened, and everything went, yeah. Just kind of cut that off at the knees. And then generations happened, and he's face-palming her at arm's length. It's like, yikes. And then you got Lost World, in which he confessed, Sonic, I I love, and you have Sonic be all upset and worried about Amy. Yeah, I mean, that's open-ended enough that it's, you know, he said that, you know, she got cut off or she he said because she's dead now. So there, there's reasons to be upset. OK, so you've created like a lot of characters in it. A lot of them all have like a unique superpower. So I'm curious, are there any superpowers you want to introduce in Sonic, but you just haven't figured out the character for said power yet? Uh, nothing springs to mind. Um, I feel like it's more of a package deal where if we want to introduce somebody new, what role do they serve in the narrative? How do they, how do they bounce off of Sonic or one of the other characters? And from there, how do they fit into the world? You know, what is a gimmick that makes them interesting and fun to work with and could potentially be gamified? 
Because I figure if these characters feel like they could be in a game, that makes them feel more natural in a comic about a game, you know? Sure, I also, in my heart of hearts, hope that they get adapted one day. That's That would be crazy awesome. But it's more to make the product itself feel more in line with the franchise. Makes sense. I know, like, one power I always thought that would be really cool to see, since it would be a good counter to Sonic Speed, is someone who could, like, manipulate time, like, slow down the area around them. So, kind of like the total from DC, like, he's a, an enemy of the Flash, so he can kind of, like, slow down time, which is a problem for someone like the Flash. Yeah, but when you get to that level of area of effect powers you you run the risk of being really op now i'm not super familiar with the turtle and the flash and all that but like if the whole thing is he can create a negative space of anti-speed around him how do you deal with that like everything that approaches can be slowed down to the point where it's a non-issue what is the clever way of undoing that that isn't just goes faster you know I think I think the only find it would be kind of cool if he got like more Sonic villains, kind of like based off the Flash's Wolves Gallery. Because like the clever thing about Flash's Wolves Gallery is like a lot of their powers serve as a good counter to the Flashes. Like Mirror Master, like sure the Flash can run fast, but like you can't punch someone who's currently inside the mirror. I suppose not, but I would just you know, store the mirror in a you know, U-Haul trailer and lock it up. Problem solved. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we've had the imposter. Okay. So everyone have already made a joke. I even sent an ask about this. But with how imposter syndrome has several similarities to the Android saga, does that mean we can expect that the next Sonic miniseries will be based off the Boo saga? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. The the parallels with the Android saga were accidental. I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> and honestly, you can almost argue that Boo saga has already happened. I mean, an ancient evil power that rivals that of the gods and takes unprecedented levels of miraculous energy to stop that's basically mephilus iblis and solaris i suppose that's true though well i guess one arc i definitely could see sega copying is like the black star dragon ball the chaos emeralds have been used so many times so each of them take the fall of a new deadly enemy you could go that route. Um, and for those who are listening and kind of prickling going, well, isn't that a fan idea, Ian? Why are you not shooting him down? We're talking about parallels with Dragon Ball here. That idea has already been established and the parallels between Sonic and Dragon Ball are like famous and blatant and storied. So that this, this is, this walks the line, but it's okay. Um, I mean, you could do that. There is, that whole negative and positive energy within the Emerald type of thing. But I don't know. It's the thing is, once you go that route, how do you put the genie back in the bottle? If the idea is misuse of the chaos Emeralds builds up negative juju. And eventually these villainous forms appear that introduces the idea that we've got the ticking clock. That's going to happen again. As long as the chaos Emeralds are in use. You know, how, 
how dastardly do the plots have to be to recharge and get these things to pop out again? And if they prove to be super popular as villains and you want to bring them back, how do you do that without, you know, and then Eggman grabbed the chaos emeralds and wished for a thousand dead puppies. Boom. Villains are back. You know, it's, (laughs) it's not a bad idea at its absolute basis, but it would have to be handled with care. Well, as long as they don't turn Sonic into a kid for no legit, for no logical <laughs> reason, I think we'll be good. <laughs> Let's see. We want classic Sonic back in this game. How do we do that? Ah, yes. <laughs> I I will never just. I really do not understand the thought process of. Hey, let's make Goku a kid again. What? Uh, my understanding was they were trying to recapture the magic of the original Dragon Ball, but that's not necessarily the best way to go about it. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> okay, so do you think there's some kind of ancient connection between echidnas and hedgehogs? Like, between the echidnas' connection to the Master Emerald, which has a connection to the chem- Chaos Emerald, which those can only be used by male hedgehogs, I can't help but feel like there's a missing piece to this puzzle we haven't gotten yet. Oh, there's a piece, and I can't talk about it. Uh, Ian knows, folks. Ian knows. <laughs> Knowing smile. Here we go. <laughs> okay, well, then moving on to the next one, because this is something I've been wondering about since the end of the arc. Like, I know it's pretty common for Sonic Kale, just kind of a fact given how often it happens. But with how traumatic the Zombot apocalypse was for a lot of characters, especially young ones like Cream and Charmy, doesn't it feel like the event should have more of a lasting impact on the characters emotionally? Yes and no. Yes and that um, you're right. An event that large, you would think there'd be a little more uh, direct follow-up. But on the other hand, we spent a year and a half on that doom and gloom and drama and dwelling on the fallout of that, I feel like would also kind of just drag. It would be, it wouldn't be fun to get through because recovering from trauma is not fun. You just, it's not. So Evan, you know, taking time to do more low key and personal stories as the characters pick up and move on, I think is a fine way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like, I'm definitely not opposed to, like, you know, after something super heavy, we get, like, some nice lighter arcs, but at the same time, it just kind of feel like, well, that's over and done with, let's go have some fun, like, no, like, maybe because, like, with Marvel and DC, why whenever there was these big comic events, and not like the event is over and everything just go back to normal, like, if things happen to the character, like, it actually, like, you know, leave a lasting impact. It doesn't just kind of, like, just get pushed underneath a rock. And not like the Zombat arc was forgotten, it just that, like, I was kind of hoping it would affect the characters more. Maybe at least, like, maybe Cream and Charmy still have nightmares. Maybe Vector is very protective of Charmy because of what happened. Just, like, something to highlight that what happened was traumatic. Mm, Fair enough. Okay, so here's the big one that 
honestly, when I played Sonic Forces, it really disappointed me. How do you feel about Infinite just being a mercenary modified by Eggman? Like, I honestly find it bizarre since everything from the trailers made it seem like Infinite was basically Eggman's own shadow, so to speak, with him being created solely in a lab. There's even dialogue within the game that seems to back up that idea, such as Tails remarking that this is the area where Eggman built Infinite, with Amy saying, it's so sad, what a lonely place to be brought into the world. Um, all I know is what Sega gave me, you know, um, it bugs me that his name is infinite before he gets his abilities. I mean, I know it's a Sonic series. Everybody's got nouns for names, but it's like, what, what the, the guy is a nihilist, but he's named infinite. I don't, I can't, I don't, I don't, I can't, like, I, I don't know. Forces, I feel like they had more ambitious ideas and then they couldn't realize them all and then there was a forced crossover with mania which should have just been its own thing and we got what we got yeah uh, i just find like forces story to be so fun because like the concept of eggman taking over the world with they like sonic and his friends fighting against him that been done multiple times like not just in the archie comic but in sat am and like even sonic underground like somehow sonic underground does that story better than sonic forces so mm. like another thing about infinite like okay what well, powerful he is why didn't he betray eggman like what reasoning did he have to not betray him I have questioned that myself. On the one hand, it's like it's kind of nice that we haven't had yet another vile but inevitable betrayal of an egg goon, but I think he just didn't have the motivation to do so. Like, he didn't really care. Eggman gave him the power to just be a jerk, and he was content. He had motivations outside of having power. And so he did and he was fine with that it makes sense i guess not everyone wanted that just because they want power doesn't mean they want to rule the world ruling the world is a lot of work you gotta make your army you gotta make sure to schedule time out of your day to terrorize people <laughs> i don't know how Eggman does it i'm sure our bot's there for with a you know detailed itinerary Pardon me, boss, but it's time for your 10 o'clock terrorizing. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to, now I want to Q&A with, with Orbot. Uh, <laughs> hey, you, you gotta stop with these character impersonation, otherwise people will be sponsoring, like, all types of guest episodes. <laughs> oh, no. We get money, and I get to be goofy on the air for an hour. The hardship. <laughs> <laughs> the terror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Do you, okay, so Sonic Boom, do you ever think about like all the untapped potential that came from that series? Like Boom was a complete reimagining of the Sonic brand that had the potential to do a lot of new and interesting things that we only got to see bits of, with it now being mostly known for its comedic but still hilarious animated series. I try not to think about it because it gets depressing. I, it's like you said, there there was a whole new way to take a take on Sonic and did didn't and just kind of how things happened. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. and, oh, it's well. A shame. and it's a shame how like Sega kind of like just distancing themselves from Sonic Boom, kind of like pretending it never happened, like in the 30th anniversary video, there's not like a, like when it lists TV show, the only Sonic show it shows is Sonic X, and like they want to pretend Sonic Boom never happened, which I do think is a shame because, hey, the show was at least good. Yeah, but that seems to be Sega's general policy is to not acknowledge projects that are done in their mind. Huh, kind of funny how they want to move on to the past, yet at the same time hold on to the past. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Sega's weird, you know? Very, very. So, like, continuing with Boom, like, okay, how do you, like, you probably answered this question, like, years ago, but I can't find a question on the Q&A list. So, like, you feel about like a lot of the changes made for the reimagining of the franchise like they were like the one that did annoy me the most was like how they made knuckles super dumb i mean he grew on me but kind of like made this like general idea that like knuckles was an idiot when he really isn't but besides that i liked a lot of the changes they made like one by getting rid of the master emerald you don't find yourselves in a catch-22 situation with knuckles so he can be used more frequently they made Sonami 100% mutual so it was less of amy pining after sonic and sonic made there are two novas to act on it, and I like a much more sassier and less starry-eyed tales. Yeah, there were a lot of good ideas. Um, I just felt like Boom Knuckles, the inherent direction they took with him was lazy. Here, here's the strong guy, so he's big and dumb. That is like, that's as tropey as you can get. Part of what makes modern Knuckles so interesting and fun is he's not really that much bigger or different than Sonic and he's ludicrously strong. I mean, the movie I feel like thus far as we've seen has found that nice middle ground where he looks like he's a little bit bigger and a little bit burlier, but it's not to such an extreme. Um, I was okay with most of the redesigns. I honestly prefer boom Amy's look over modern Amy by a mile, but the adventurer's scarf that Sonic wears, I don't like that it's like dirty, unwashed hand towel brown. It should be red. It should be bright and colorful and daring and not something that seriously needs to just be washed or burned. Um, and the blue arms thing, I don't know. At this point, I <laughs> the fact that they're holding out with the tan arms, I feel like is almost pushing against the tide because every other male hedgehog we've seen thus far they've got 
the colored arms. So Sonic is now the odd one out. Also, the tan belly is kind of weird. So, and so many other forms of media have gone blue arms. Now it's like, eh, bite the bullet, give him blue arms. Oh, right, right, right. Amy has tan arms. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's. I, I, I never understood people like it's I like the out of the two things when it comes to Sonic, people seem to be obsessed with disgusting. It's Sonic characters feet and Sonic arms. Why are people obsessed with those two things? I, I don't know, dude. Like that in the eyes, the eye like, green eyes, the harbinger of all that is wrong in the world. It's like, no, it's just stop it. Stop it. They're yeah. fine. It's fine. The fact that Sonic characters have like weird blob feet is it's weird. I ain't going to argue to the contrary, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And like again, I do agree with Boom Knuckle. And like I yeah, like I'm thankful for like movie knuckles because like now it can kind of like debunk that whole idea that like Knuckle is just like an idiot because he isn't an idiot. Is he a bit gullible and naive? Sure, but he grew up alone on a floating island. Of course he's not gonna be the sharpest tool in the shed. He's inexperienced, is what it is. It's not the stupidity, it's just he doesn't what to expect exactly exactly and like i do hope like i do hope like the movie trailers have been promoting knuckles as being like this badass which i am happy about but i do hope they get to show like a little bit of his dokio side yeah another thing with boom is i kind of wish orbot cubot and metal sonic looked different that they had boom designs that they were a little more in line with the egg tech of the series because they felt like they were just straight transplants from modern Sonic. And that's, that's to me, that's jarring. You've got completely different visual aesthetic for the series. So apply it to everyone, you know? Huh, I never actually really considered that. Like, yeah, everyone else have like a huge redesign, but Obot, Cubot, Metal Sonic look like their design assets was kind of like just plucked out of a game and transplanted into Boom. Oh, yeah. But, and so the another thing about Boom, like, don't you ever find it weird how we practically know nothing about the Sonic cast background in this reimagining, such as how they all met and became friends, how Sonic met Eggman for the first time, and what Shadow Hole deal is? Mm, not so much, because that's not what was important to the story. It was, here are the characters, and here are their adventures. Um, you know, with the modern series, which is you know, built off of the classic foundation, you had the slow growth of everything. And so the whole point was the introduction of these new characters. Here they are. Here's their relation. This is why they're cool. Blah, blah, blah. With boom, they start from the word go. Not that I'm saying that there should be any reason to not go back and look at it. And like rise of lyric was supposed to show Sonic and Eggman's past until that got cut, but it wasn't, part of the dynamic of that version of the franchise. It was, it didn't have to build everything up. It was going off of the premise of here are Sonic and these characters, but they're different. So you spend the time with the different versions of the characters. And then I would imagine that had it continued once you were comfortable and familiar with them, but it doesn't really bother me that 
you know, we started off with just here is the cast. I mean, I guess it doesn't bother me either. And more so, like, I remember how when Sonic Boom was airing, I was constantly hoping, come on, give us a flashback episode. Come on, give us a flashback episode. And we never got it. Yeah, well, that's also because Sega is kind of averse to establishing backstories and stuff that isn't built into the story initially. Uh, it, uh, it really is funny just to think about, like, compared to their, like, main continuity stuff, how these, like, just how Team Sonic phone, like, it just really is fun to think about since there's so many possibilities. And, like, Shadow is really interesting because, like, this is a Shadow who seemingly may never have had a Maria in, her li- in his life. So you're wondering, like, it was he created like by was he still created by like Gerald Robotnik? Does Gerald even exist in this continuity, or did they just change Shadow completely to better fit in this continuity? Yeah, what little crumbs we got were tantalizing. It's like, oh, what could this be? Could it be something a little more straightforward? Something a little different? We'll never know. I'm also sad that the old back before Boom Shadow actually appeared, there was uh, this rumor going around that he was going to be a surfer dude and that he had a surfboard named Maria. And I kind of wish that had come true because that's funny. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. Gosh, I really wish I really wish Boom could have been a success just to see how this is on it. Wasn't it, Maria? A chance for everyone to hang 10. Sure. <laughs> and like speak and like again continuing on boom so like i mean i'm fine with it being like self-contained we didn't need boom version of like every single one of sonic of the extended cast but like would there have been any like sonic characters you would have just loved to see like put a boom spin on them i mean there's the appeal of you know what could you do with any of them to be perfectly honest like you said, you don't need every one of them, but there's always that kind of fun what if. I mean, the variations you can do on modern by itself are endless, so boom is just another fun twist on that. Um, especially when they do really fun stuff like Boom Vector, who, you know, he's still a detective, but the fact that he's kind of like a TV detective and without the chaotic being there to be comic relief he's actually kind of on the ball and competent which is a fun twist on things um i would like to see you know big in the boom continuity like is he any different or is that the joke is that he's just like this background character fisherman who's always there regardless of setting or circumstances um how does rouge work in a world where there aren't governments to be a spy for you know, is she more like a relic hunter to keep with the fascination with gems? What does the how does she even look? Ah, you could go on and on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, there's definitely like I feel like there's something that could be really but that I feel like there's something that could be done boom void. Like either you crank up her politeness to like one hundred percent or like you have her be completely like the opposite, like no longer this sweet, innocent, polite girl. She's like a daredevil. 
And she's so polite and proper, and the boom cast is so not. She would just lose all patience with them. Just I can't stand you people. I'm done. I'm going home. The thing with Cream though is that you know she's always partnered with Cheese, but Chow don't exist in Boom. You have the Sprites, which didn't really quite fill the same niche. So would Cheese be a Sprite? Would Cheese just not exist? Would she have like a plushie that she talked to? Like what? What do you do? Oh, could you know that pl- the plush angle actually could actually work? I, I could even like see it doing that joke. Like, I didn't do anything, cheese made me do it. Or, like, what's that, cheese? <laughs> huh? I should do this, really? So, basically, like Johnny and Plink from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah, there you go. You come <laughs> over to her house, and there's just this one room with wall to wall plushes, and they're all staring. <laughs> and like then she's like, yeah, Mr. Tails, I made a gift for you, and she shows him the Tails doll. Ah, bring back the creepy Sonic doll from the official live streams. Yes. Okay, okay. So moving on to like one of my favorite things I always love sending you questions about worlds collide. So one of my favorite moments to this day is the Sonic and Mega Man versus the Metal Sonic and Bass fight. Like, how did you go about writing this fight exactly? Um, Number one, I was really sad that we couldn't have Metal and Bass fused together because I wanted to see what design we could come up with. And the name's right there, Metal Bass. Like, come on. Uh, but that was tossed out the window, which is fine, which is fine. What we got was good. Um, I also wanted to defy conventions where you know here you have the two heroes against their two antitheses and the usual way it goes is oh no they're our match we can't defeat them but if we swap places they don't know how to handle it so i purposefully purposefully made it so that they you know pull that trick and they still get their stuff kicked in (laughs) Because, you know, metal and bass are badasses. They are not someone you could just switch up on and defeat. Oh, yeah, that was like one of my favorite moments. Like, like what Mega Man was like, sounds like a good plan. And like Sans said, like, it should. It always works. And then when it fails miserably, Mega Man, like, all these wokes, huh? And Sonic's like, oh, great. He built you with sarcasm. <laughs> and I, oh, another thing, like, was this your decision or was it like the artist's decision in which, like, for like for that final time when Mega Man, like, used all the abilities he acquired from Sonic friends to show, like, a ghostly image of them? Because I really love that touch. Ah, uh, it's been so long, I honestly don't remember. Okay, okay. Well, it was still a great moment. Like, it, because it kind of, like, made it feel like it just wasn't Sonic and Mega Man fighting. It was, like, all of Sonic's friends were spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. Continuing on World's Collide, so I think the dynamic that was mainly explored was Mega Man and Sonic, which, hey, it makes sense, but, like, but are there interaction involving characters between the two series you would like 
you would have liked to interact with each other more. Like, I thought I would have loved to seen like a heroic, wholesome version of like the science bromance between Tails and Dr. Light. Sure, that would have been fun. But I don't know. Worlds Collide, I feel like it everything just clicked into the right place. There, there's certainly areas where you could have more fun and expand upon it. And like you said, you know, Tails and Dr. Light talking about stuff, having Amy and Roll do something together would have been fun. But, and we got a little bit of Knuckles and Proto Man goodness in Worlds Unite. So it might have been fun to see it in Collide as well. But I don't know. I feel like as it is, we got what we needed to get. And anything else would have been a fun addition but not really necessary. Like I, I don't, I have no regrets about worlds collide. That one just came together. I don't want to say perfectly. Cause that sounds arrogant, but darn it. It it's pretty dark. Oh yeah. It was fantastic. I, I am so happy. I bought a copy of like the full trade paperback when I did. Cause like nowadays trying to buy one of those costs, like, Oh, goodness yeah the one i got like i think i got it for like 20 25 dollars and i i do i like you know i know and i do like the bits of inner watching we get between like some of the expanded cast like the freedom fighters and some of like the mega man characters like that moment between nicole and tempo that was nice and like i would have loved to see like more of that dynamic because like those two could actually relate to each other in a lot of ways yeah i i think unite just there was too much on the table we the pace was too fast the casts were too large it was too much of a good thing you know yeah like when i like, i was excited for world you know like whoa four-way crossover between sonic boom x and mega man and then when the poster was revealed i was like who the heck are half of these characters <laughs> like the ending mass crossover thing i i still kind of enjoy just for the sheer spectacle of it. But at the time that I was thinking, you know, when worlds collide came out, you know, folks enjoyed it, but they're like, well, where's the freedom fighters. And, you know, then we were just talking about, well, this is going to be, this is casting a wide net. We're going to be getting a lot of attention from just game players. So we want to keep it on just the game cast to make it accessible to everybody. And with United, it's like, okay, well now that, the ideas are introduced. Let's bring in the freedom fighters, but I didn't want it to be, here's the Sonic cast guest starring some Capcom guys. So we bring in the robot masters to balance it out. So it's equal representation between the two franchises. And then you have boom. And then you have X and then you have the big multi IP crossover thing, which was partly out of my hands. And it's just, it's too much. It's too big. And you know, with a cast of that size, even if it was just down to the Sonic and classic Mega Man group, it's still so large. It's almost unwieldy with so many potential conversations and crossovers. So I don't know. It is what it is. I mean, it wasn't like, maybe it wasn't as solid as Wolkalaba. It 
at least at the very least, it still had some enjoyability to it. Still some moments that made me smile. Pretty much anything involving sticks always put a smile on my face. Still sad we didn't get super sticks. Would have loved to see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next up. So don't you want on Mega Man, you we delved into the tragedy of Dr. Light and Wily's relationship, especially in the aftermath of the Wild Moon arc, in which Wily starts having second doubts about executing his new evil plan, since he seemed to be genuinely touched by Light's willingness to trust him, and even contemplating about how much he's, he missed working with Light. Like, what made you decide to go that route with their relationship? Um... One, to give Wiley a little extra dimension, because as nefarious and conceited as he is, he never struck me as straight up evil. Petty, sure, selfish, yeah, but not like the same levels of absolute despot that Eggman is. And on the other hand, you've got Dr. Light. I mean, they were friends for the longest time, so why were they friends? We're not going to have the opportunity to go back and look at them in their younger days too often. So let's show why they get along and what does it mean to be friends for so long? And to a degree to help validate Dr. Light and his sometimes naive uh, beliefs in their being good and all and that, you know, people do deserve second chances. Yeah. Wiley almost actually did get a clue and stop his evil ways and to add a little extra tragedy to the whole thing, because the formula of, Hey, it's Dr. Wiley, or here's a misdirection, but we know it's Dr. Wiley. That was already getting a little obvious. And we were only at Mega Man three. We had at least seven more games to go and then some. So finding ways to break up that formula or add a little bit of flavor to it was always something on my mind. Yes, like, even though I knew what was going to happen, Ian, you still made me go, why, Dr. Wiley? Why? Like, you could have actually had a second chance and you screwed yourself over. And like, like you said, like, you did wanted to, like, subvert and, like, not do the same thing over and over again with Wiley Betrayal. So, like, you really hammered in, like, just how Holt Light was when we found out that Wiley played him for a fool. And, like, I like that touch in which, like, Wiley isn't glowing. Like, you can actually tell, like, some small part of him actually does feel bad for betraying Light, but, like, he just won't admit it. Like, that whole heartbreak of like uh and man when you have it which like and when you have it which like light actually believe wiley is dead like even after everything that happened he was about like wiley's death something i really wanted to hammer home with light is that he is a good person um the fact that he is so naive and so trusting is seen as a weakness, unfortunately. And I wanted to bolster that by showing that it isn't just blind optimism, that he really is a visionary for the good of the world. It's just, you know, sometimes the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So not make him completely oblivious to the dangers that are ahead, but to also 
paint him as someone who is willing to accept the challenge and the risk for the betterment of all. And part of that is when your lifelong friend who is a serial jerk just self-destructs, you know, yeah, you feel sad about it. You don't necessarily uh, hold them unaccountable, but you still are sad that it couldn't have been better. And there's always that lingering thought of what could I have done to maybe help stop this from happening? You know, like with your explanation of light, strangely enough, he actually, like, you, when you lay out all like that, he actually sounds very low. Now, I think, like, Sonic and Dr. Light actually having, like, a pretty good dynamic with each other because they were, I think, allergies surprisingly align a lot. I guess. I think Light is more forward thinking, though. He he has a goal in mind, and he wants to build towards an ideal where Sonic isn't. He he doesn't do that. He lives in his ideal, and whatever comes along, eh, he'll handle it when he gets to it. But he doesn't think three steps ahead. He just lives in the moment. Light is always thinking about the future and building towards that better tomorrow. You're not wrong. I, I see with the parallels, but I think it's a different uh, execution, a different mentality. Makes sense, makes sense. Like, like you said, like just be, because they've been friends for so long, just like how Light still feels sadness for Wiley, like, I guess it's safe to say that like Wiley still kind of feels the same way about Light because like for as, as jealous and as envious he is of Dr. Light, I never got the impression that Wiley hated him. Like, he never even tried killing or harming him. Heck, even in Worlds Collide, you have Wiley be angry that Eggman killed Dr. Light. Because, like, no, he doesn't want to kill him. Because, like, I feel like he just doesn't want to admit that he still cares about, like, his long, his long-time friend. So he just uses the guise of, no, I just want to use... I just want to prove that I'm better than him as a disguise. Yeah, it's again, it's the pettiness of it. It's not villainy or outright villainy. It's like he would certainly delight in hurting Dr. Light because he sees it as justified revenge for whatever slights he has imagined. Um, He certainly wants to be seen as the superior, but I don't think it goes any further than that he's not going to be torturous he's not going to be uh homicidal about it it's i'm right and i want justice and i'm going to see it done and then like in his mind i imagine if you know his vision for robotics took over the world and thomas just said you know what albert you were right he'd be fine water under the bridge they're they're all buddy buddy again let's go for drinks that's all he wants he wants to be acknowledged as the genius that he sees himself as and the problem is he can't see outside of his own ego yeah wiley is his own worst enemy though it is funny to think about like in a like kind of funny how he became like the world's greatest villain but also like hundreds of years later it's his creation that saved the world yeah. Oh, irony. 
okay we don't know when we'll ever be seeing silver future again but and like you have mentioned in the past like there are a few characters from the past that could theoretically still exist in silver future do you think like gemworld could perhaps be one of them or maybe like obot and cubot sure the robots could conceivably endure i mean they might be in disrepair but I mean, they they could potentially be sticking around. <laughs> Silver goes rooting around and is like, oh boy, maybe it's one of my old friends from the past. And it's freaking Chaos Gamma. <laughs> uh oh. <sighs> there is oh. something kind of depressing imagining Gem World 200 years in the future, just like and still missing cream and vanilla and cheese, like eh, the coast of being a robot. Yeah, but here let's let's theory craft a quick happy ending. Cheese has become a light chow, therefore he's immortal, and he's hanging out with Gemeral, so they're buddies forever. Oh, eh, that's sweet. <laughs> okay, so Ian, do you prefer the Eggman Empire consisting of Morbians or just robots? Like. I know I prefer the former sin. It makes the Eggman Empire feels more like an actual empire with it empire. With it adding more nuance, since Sonic and friends aren't just fighting robots, they're fighting other Mobians who have their reasoning for being a part of the Empire. Some of them against their will, some of them because they believe that Eggman can't be defeated, and some who willingly chose to side with Eggman because they're just evil that way. I think you can make a case for either. Um, The appeal of the all-robotic army, the faceless masses, allows the heroes to fight without any moral conundrums, which is great for a game setting where you don't necessarily have the time to get into the nuance you don't have to worry about you know are they being too violent towards another living being you can have a lot of new material like here's the new cool boss robot and you know you have your encounter and that's sufficient that works for the game and then you have your orbot and cubot there to be foils to eggman that's enough within his little circle Metal Sonic is there as the fun antithesis to Sonic. And then you you don't really need much more for an action platformer. When you have something that's more narratively driven like the comics, you do want something with a little more meat. And that's where the egg bosses shine through. I wonder if there were too many, to be honest. But that kind of depends. They were built with a different mentality for a different style of storytelling and a different kind of book. I don't know if they would necessarily quite work with IDW as it is right now, but you could build in that direction, I suppose. I don't know. It's it all comes down to Eggman trusts his own creations. First and foremost, he likes his machines and he's worked with some other elements of the past infinite being, you know, kind of hallmark in that, but it's not quite his MO with the game side of things. So we would have to see a shift in his preferences and mentalities on the game side of things to make it a little more sensible where we are with IDW now, which is entirely possible. It's just, I don't know. I, we, I'm not opposed to seeing a spiritual successor to the egg bosses, but I think you have to handle it differently with IDW. 
Dude, uh, I, again, I just found, like, the egg bosses to be, like, a cool concept. Like, Eggman having, like, these generals, each with, like, a different theme and motif controlling a different region, which, like, does kind of, like, help amplify Eggman level of dread. Imagine so many times over, huh, how could a Sonic video game implement each of these egg bosses as an individual boss you have to defeat before you fight the big egg himself, Eggman? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And from what I recall, the egg bosses were built at least partially with, you know, game mechanics in mind. So, okay. So, it tended to be played more for laughs when it happened, but if you wrote a story and with Sonic lost his speed, how would you go about having Sonic lose his powers? And are there any other characters you think would be fun to do a story in which they lose their power temporarily? Uh, maybe it's already been done a few times, you know? Um, yeah, but always more for laughs rather than an actual, like, uphill struggle for Sonic. Like, you know, like all those classic superhero stories where Peter Parker loses his spider powers and gotta rise to the occasion without his powers. Yeah, I mean, I remember it being treated fairly seriously when they did it inside of M. Oh, I didn't realize they did inside the end. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the wizard Lazar. Yeah, that's one of his power. That honestly is one of the more memorable episodes for me. I don't know why. Like, I don't know. Is that um, considered a good episode? I'm not sure. I don't remember. I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know. And it was like the entire premise of Sonic Labyrinth. So, uh, I, yeah, yeah. Take that as canon as you want, <laughs> but um. Uh, I don't know. It's if we were to go that route and it's one of those stories that's kind of done a lot, I'd want to find a way to put a spin on it, do something a little different. Like if Sonic has lost his powers, he doesn't freak out over it. He's like, huh? All right. So that's uh, what I am now. All right. Work with it. And then like, maybe he's athletic enough to make up for it or, you know, metal Sonic doesn't want to go through with taking him out because now he's slow. Where's the challenge? This is, this isn't right. Oh wait, I'm supposed to be the real Sonic. Does this mean I have to take out my jet engine? How does this work now? You know, have Sonic be completely at ease with this world shattering, changing event and the rest of the world kind of falling down around him. It's like, no, no, the formula has been thrown out the window. What do we do? What do we do? Um, may, and so many of the characters are kind of comfortable in their own skin. Now, like if tails were to wake up one day with a single tail, he can't fly anymore. So there's that lack of freedom, but he's cut become so accustomed to who he is. You know, does he have trouble with the idea of he's just a regular Fox? Now he still has his inventive mind. He still has most of his skin of himself. Is this just like a small speed bump in the road for him? He's like, well, now I'm just going to have to adjust to this. I don't know. It's I, it's kind of, I think back to the issue we did in Sonic X where Eggman and Sonic switch brains. And it was such a tired concept that I purposefully had as much goofy fun with it as possible. It's like, okay, we already know how this plot plays out. Let's just do, we'll, we'll hit the high marks, but let's have fun with it. And then they did so the same we thing to, in Boom. Yeah. Yeah. 
So if we're going to do something as conventional as the hero loses their signature ability, I'd want to find some way to make it not the conventional approach. So on the flip side, like if the idea that Sonic would still be at ease without his power, I can't help but imagine like his counterpart, like Scourge, would probably be freaking out without his power, especially since like he has a lot of enemies, so everyone will be like, hey, he doesn't have any powers anymore. Let's get him. Oh, yeah, that absolute nightmare entity is built around. I am sonic's equal so to lose that power would just be devastating on an existential level and as you said if he can't back up his bravado he's in (laughs) that's a big target painted on his back and then with Soldier, I guess, like, she would be freaking out without her power because she's supposed to be, like, better than Sonic, but without her powers, how is she going to prove herself? Yeah, she would be obsessing over some way to either get them back or something comparable. That would be her single-minded devotion. She would read a lot of Flash comic books get uh, and, like, make sure to douse herself with chemicals and get struck by lightning. Hey, you know, whatever works or doesn't. And then she ends up dead. (laughs) Okay. So, Ian, a lot lot of fans always ask you how you'd write heroic versions of Sonic villains or villainous versions of Sonic heroes. But do you have any idea for alternative versions of a character in which their morality is the same, but they're completely different? So, like, a version of Knuckles who's still heroic and super strong, but is also a genius. Hmm. Um, wouldn't that just be, like... Locke and the rest of the Brotherhood. Here's Knuckles, but he can science! Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's... then the, That, that kind of is the Professor Hulk angle. It's like, okay, it's Hulk, but he's smart. Okay, how is that new and interesting and different? What, what does that do, do? How does that coexist with what's there? So we've got, you know, a, a Knuckles, but he's Tails level smart. How does he coexist with tail, uh, with with regular knuckles, or is he replacing regular knuckles? Like, what is the purpose of that character? What do they bring to the table that is better than what we already have? I mean, I do think there's like a lot of fun that could be have if, like, even if you don't switch their morality, like maybe if you switch certain character war, like roles, like maybe in another reality, like Jules is a high-flying, energetic adventurer, and Tangle is like the one who wants a little like bookshop and hates adventure. Yeah, sure. There's fun variations on that, but I feel like those those exist for maybe like a what if one off. It's not something that I would really want to like dwell on. And with the characters, like when you take something more extreme, like you take Sonic without the morality or Sonic without the selflessness, you can build a character around that and you get someone like surge when you take it's tangle, but she's an introvert that doesn't quite like ring the same bell. It, it doesn't, it doesn't excite in the same way, at least in this franchise, if we were to use it as like, here's Tangle's sister that we never spoke about. 
until now. And that's because she doesn't leave her house. Like that works for maybe a supporting character, but I don't know if it's, if you're using it as a foundation for what can we do to add something new? I think you need to have a more dynamic difference. And if it's just kind of like alternate universe, fun, what ifs that fine, but I personally do not, I, I'm not immediately drawn to that myself. Not family. I know. I just always just find it. Like, I mean, again, always just funny to just imagine characters in different worlds. Like, especially again, like the idea of like Jewel being like the high flying adventurer. Like, it's interesting to just imagine like Jewel in that kind of setting and like all the kind of questions that exist. Like, does that mean she's best friend with Whisper? Or like, does somehow even with like Tangle as an introvert or like, Friendship and bond with Whisper transcends reality. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. Of course, in, in that scenario, is it Mimic who escaped and Whisper who betrayed the Diamond Cutters? Ooh, yeah, yeah. But I do know, like, one story that has always crossed my mind. Like, how do you think, like, take, like how do you think Whisper would react to, like, uh? heroic version of Mimic, like a Mimic who never betrayed his team. Like, I can only imagine how much that would, like, just destroy Whisper Mine. I, the portal opens and good Mimic th- falls through and, you know, gives his backstory and whatnot. Whisper would not trust it at first at all because damage and, you know, precedent. But I think that given time and proof, that desire to have part of her old life back would allow her to open up to the idea. Um, The rest of the cast might have to help that thinking along, like give him a chance, maybe trust us. This this whole giving the villains another shot is sometimes pans out and he's not even the villainous version. Uh, I, I could see her wanting to have that friend back and eventually accepting good mimic, which is tragic when evil whisper splatters his brain on the pavement. <laughs> you went from wholesome to angst in like 100. <laughs> That's Ian for you, you know? Gotta kill them all. <laughs> okay, good. So I only have a few questions left. I mean, we still got time, but like I'm almost done with all of my questions. Believe it or not, I had even more. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> okay, okay. So this is something that has all like every time I reread Treasure Team Tango, Ian, I always forget Nicole is in the story. So I gotta know, like, for that last panel when Amy said, Oh no, I forgot about Nicole. Was that like a meta joke as in like you actually forgot that Nicole was in the story? So you were like, oh shoot, I gotta address what happened to Nicole. If memory serves, I was showing Aaliyah the script and she says, So what happened to Nicole? And I said, Oh crap, what happened to Nicole? <laughs> and we turned it into a joke. I, I think that's how I remember it going. <laughs> Oops. I, mean, I always got that impression. I just really wanted confirmation. <laughs> <sighs> Oops. 
Okay, so okay, so what do you think is the deal with Mobians and Powers in Sonic World? Like they don't seem so common that everyone has them, but they aren't so well that people are shocked by them. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's something akin to My Hero Academia, where it's like a percentage of the has these incredible skills, and it's just accepted as yeah. They do that. That's a thing that happens. I mean, the the avatar character out of forces is not necessarily Sonic level of skill, but they still they can still spin jump, right? It's been a while since I actually picked up and played. I don't think so. No, okay, but you now to be able to fling themselves around Spider Man style with that grapple hook and to tear through the robots with your wispons, even if those things are overpowered as all get out, that still requires a certain degree of impressive skill. But then you've got, you know, vanilla and presumably everyone else who was captured on the death egg and whatnot, showing that they don't necessarily have that level. I have no idea what the percentage is because we haven't really seen the rest of the Mobian population to get a good gauge for it. But if the chaotix can come together from whatever their backgrounds are. And if Sonic's group of friends can come together and all that, it, it stands to reason that it's a decent portion of the population. Yeah. I always got that impression though. Like, do you think about like, just based off Sonic heroes, like cream and Charmy gotta have like some kind of innate super strength because like Charmy can lift SBO and Vecto and cream can lift Amy and big. Well, Big's lifting his own weight, and therefore, by cartoon physics, that offsets it. <laughs> okay, I'll take that answer. I mean, personally, I was leaning towards Super Strength just because I love <laughs> the idea of, like, Queen beating Knuckles in an arm wrestling contest. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Mr. Knuckles, actually try this time. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. No, Mr. Knuckles, you're supposed to put my arm the other direction. I know that! <laughs> Should I use my offhand, Mr. Knuckles? No, it's fine! <laughs> okay, so, with, like, on your one on Mega Man, like, how do you think personalities for robots and Mega Man work? Like, are they programmed with a certain personality in mind? Does their function shape their personality? Interaction with the world? In classic, it seems like it's a bit of a crapshoot. And for the whole thing is that Reploids are supposed to be the first synthetic life that can form their own opinions and personalities. They are built with a purpose, but they still seem to be able to forge their own identities. Whereas classic by virtue of coming first shouldn't have that, but we see it fairly commonly like sheep man chooses different jobs because that's what he wants. Blues clearly has his own freaking personality. So it's kind of a very fine line to walk and say that the robot masters are built with an AI that is adaptable enough to emulate personality and decision-making, but that they are by function. Something I've come back to a few times is the reason why 
Mega Man is so versatile is that his function is to help people. And that is broad enough that he has given the latitude to fight if he needs to. Um, whereas Blues's original construction was just to be. And so arguably that's him fulfilling his function. It's he's being he's existing and he has a little bit of trouble figuring that out. So you can make a case for there's counter arguments amongst a lot of the robot masters. Cause I don't think it's been consistently implemented throughout the entire franchise, but the way I, uh, the way I tried to rationalize it was that, you know, the robot masters were built with that in mind and it was incredibly versatile coding limitations to it uh, we see that a little bit now like the personalities we see in stuff like alexa or cortana the windows app not the halo character you see a little bit of that with just the way that the voice actors who provide the voices characterize themselves or shoot even if you go to the uh self-checkout at the grocery store the voice that talks to you is usually very pleasant and directive and if it thinks you're trying to sneak something off into the bag it changes its tone that is a machine interacting with you on a personal level and conveying a sense of emotion there was one particular checkout that i remember going working with where it was a very polite and softly spoken woman when you're doing the normal checkout but if it thinks you're trying to steal something, it turns into a very aggressive man's voice, <laughs> which is the whole psychological thing right there. But so we we see the seeds of that now. So I don't see that big of a gap between that level of rudimentary AI that we have in our everyday lives and the robot masters in this goofy fantasy world. Okay, okay. And like that does lead me to another point. Like, okay, so with all that in mind, like, why do you think that even though she was given back her personality, Temple was never the exact same Temple again? Because the old Temple was gone. The programming, the subroutines, the data that was used to create the original Temple was lost. And the tempo that we met and saw grow in the series was basically a new pass at that individual. The old tempo died. And when she was rebuilt, she wasn't allowed to live until Lalinde, you know, kind of accepted that she did care for this daughter that she had created and that she should give her the opportunity to grow again. Okay, okay. Okay, almost done. Just a few more, like, five, six questions left. <laughs> Let's get through them. Okay, so, continuing on Mega Man, we never got a proper meeting between Wall and Blues in a comic, so exactly how much would you be delivering on the field when you eventually had the two meet face-to-face -face since Blues would still be whacked with guilt over shooting Wall by accident? Um... So much angst, so much delicious, delicious angst. The original plan when we would get to Mega Man 4 is that there would be a major running subplot, which at that point, I guess, would just be co-plot, where Breakman decides, you know what? Wily has gone too far with kidnapping Kalinka. 
this is wrong, but this is not something I can do on my own. I need help. And actually, she was, I was going to say he grabs roll, but he does not. The Quake woman, we're going to go rescue Kalinka. Oh, that does not answer your question. Oh, sure. man, that sounds awesome. And we the original plan, too, was that Wiley has no idea how to handle young children. So he builds Waltz to try to understand, okay, if I build a little girl, I will understand how little girls work. No, that didn't quite work. Well, Waltz, you go watch Kalinka and do little girl things, whatever that is. <laughs> and then... Oh, boy. And then Proto Man and Quake Woman show up to rescue um, Kalinka, and Waltz goes into killer robot mode, and they would fight, and it would be cool, and they would rescue Kalinka just in time to reveal that she is alive doesn't have to work with Wiley anymore and grand finale and it would have been fantastic and why do we not have this book oh, oh it hurts. I want to go to like... the I want to go to the timeline where you got to adopt all the Mega Man games yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> unfortunately that's also the timeline where we got original design movie Sonic <laughs> I, I will take that trade Thank I you mean very much. I mean to be fair so would I um, but to answer your question, uh, trying to think now, did we actually have a dedicated Proto Man and Roll moment? I I can't immediately think of one because they don't really have that many interactions in game. But I would imagine it's to a degree that Blues has very a very very hard time opening up and acknowledging her. Because he's got a lot of conflicted emotions on it, and Roll being the helpful and supportive and fixing robot that she is realizes the damage and just kind of accepts him as he is and works with you know what they've got. That she is able to kind of help him stumble his way through the interaction without making him feel any more awkward than he already is. Nice, nice. Got more than I expected from that question, definitely. <laughs> okay, so, okay. So, okay, so prior to issue 15 of IDW Sonic, both times you had Sonic encountered Ruff and Tumble, he ended up doing a fun rhyme with his ally at the time, yet we didn't get one with him and Amy in issue 15, which I kind of felt like, why is that exactly? It didn't occur to him at the time. Fair enough, fair enough. I guess I was just really looking forward to a so namey rhyme. I mean, Rough and Tumble are still around, and so are Sonic and Amy. Give it time. Dude, fail point, fail point. Okay. Which member of the Freedom Fighter did you have the most fun having Sonic interact with and bounce off of? For me, I love how you wrote Antoine and Sonic dynamic. Yeah, you took my answer. I mean, Sonic's always fun with everybody, but he and Antoine, they're oil and water, you know? Don't you mean water and margarine? <laughs> uh, yeah, I really did like the dynamic. It was fun. Okay, so this stuff have crossed my mind a few times. Like, with how just much different Old Whisper was, like, how do you imagine, like, the dynamic between, like, 
pre-aquatic whisper and tangle dynamic would be like like what do you think that their dynamic would be like oh night and day it would be you know tangle would be all let's go ride bikes and mr would be like yeah let's go ride bikes and they're riding bikes and screaming the entire way because they're riding bikes and that's fun we should get a two-seater bike we should get a two-seater bike we should ride it backwards we should totally ride it backwards we should get married let's get married <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. okay, so I think something like this, a little brain teaser that has crossed my mind. I would Robo Enza affect roboticized Mobians? I don't see why not. I mean, it affects robots, they're robots, and that would be a bad thing for Robotnik because now he can't control them because the Robo Enza is making them go berserk. Okay, okay. and okay, so. Final question. I mean, I still got a lot more. Uh, okay, final question. <laughs> okay, so you've talked about your plan for Mega Man 7 a few times on the show. So, But I was wondering, like, how would you have handled the aftermath of that? Like, how would, like, Mega Man trying to kill Wily affect both Mega Man and Wily separately? Uh, for the infamous scene itself what I really want to do is like dwell on that moment of him getting stuck in the laws of robotics. And even see the, the idea is here. I don't know if it would have actually worked on the page, but the idea of actually taking the badly localized English and presenting that as Mega Man's faculties shutting down, like he can't even speak clearly anymore. Um, afterwards, that's a tough one. Uh, didn't really have it fully fleshed out because that was so far down the line. But some ideas on the table were uh, Rock is just stuck in an infinite cascade error. And the Dr. Light would have to take a page from Dr. Lelinde's book and actually delete a bit of memory from Mega Man to help him. He can't get over the trauma to so remove the trauma, which raises a lot of questions which is something else that would really have to be dealt with. That's why I'm saying it's idea on the table. We didn't, we didn't fully explore this. Another one would be to have blues talk to roll, talk to tempo, talk to heck, even maybe blues and, you know, hash it out with them, figure it out. Wait, blues but, would talk to blues. No, sorry. Rock rock would have to talk to roll and blues and such and figure it out, which would <laughs> That would need more time, and it would we'd need to find a way to bring him back to the happy blue boy that he is. Uh, as for Wily, it would be a bit of a scare, to be sure. But, I don't know, either it would he would take it out on base. Like, maybe he ups his aggression there to ensure that, you know, if Mega Man comes at me, you get in the way, you stop him. Or take it as, would he really have pulled the trigger? No, no, he he obviously wouldn't have. Thomas is a fool, but he knows how to program a robot properly. He would never want to pull the trigger. Yes, I, I worried for nothing. I absolutely worried for nothing. I didn't almost die. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I don't know. 
Oh, and though that does actually, okay, one more question. I, I promise this is my last one. It does actually tie into Mega Man 7 because like, I have noticed like, because like the big thing about Mega Man, like every time Mega Man has defeated Wily, he always like gets on his hands and knees and begs for forgiveness. But like after the first three adoptions of that in the comic, we actually didn't get that. Like, were you waiting for the white moment to finally actually, like, have Wiley be on his hands and knee? Or, like, were you trying to avoid it all entirely? Just trying to find where it makes sense in the pacing. Because if he's prostrating himself like that, what is stopping Mega Man from just walking over, grabbing him by the scuff, and hauling him home, you know? There, there's a few misdirects. There's a few ways that he does get away, but it's like what works best within the comic format of the story. Okay, okay. Well, that's my last. That's my last question. I mean, I, I could probably ask more questions, but <laughs> I have plenty, and I know you got to go. Yeah, and you know what? You're always welcome back for another guest spot if you want to go commit to that. And there is always both the priority and the standard Q&A. Yep. Uh, before we wrap up, though, is there anywhere you want people to find you on the internet? Is there anything you want to plug? You can find me here on YouTube on my channel, Cat, where I make videos in which I share my thoughts on animated series and movies, do ship analysis, character analysis, along with finding me on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram as PedantaCat. Excellent. Well, once again, thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all the fun questions. And uh, Kyle, you got anything to add? Uh, not uh, immediately, um, except uh, I'm going to cut you off right here and have you repeat the whole thing again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, Discord. Uh, we hate you. <laughs> oh, well. We're done. Wait, were you joking? Well, are you joking or were you serious? <laughs> oh, no. Kyle gone mad with power. Ian, I thought you took care of this. I thought I did too, but we must obey Overlord Cut. Run, but yourself. Run, run. Now are you? Hello? De- are you dead again? <laughs> is this where we're? <laughs> going? Is this what we've come to? We all, we all just gonna die off and turn and on Discord. Check, check, check. There you are. There you are. You've been listening to The Bumblecast, a co-production of Bumble King Comics and the KNGI Network. Original theme music composed by Ken Coda Snyder. Remixed intro by T-Lopes. Find out more information, along with podcast feeder links, MP3 downloads, and more at bumbleking.com and kngi.org.